This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your U.S. Open first look, and it feels so good to say that. We are starting U.S. Open week right now, and joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, what up? I've built all my lineups, Rick. They're all incredible because it's major season and I'm going to win all the tournaments. It's so obvious. It's true. It's not true that you're going to win all the tournaments, but it is true (laughs) that we don't have to say, oh, wow. Uh, Well, when the pricing comes out on Monday or when the odds come out, they're already there. We can talk about them. And also joining us to talk about them, it's Greg Ducharme. Greg, good to see you. Have you guys thought about what you're going to do with your million dollars or or more? Million I've already plus spent from it. The US yeah, Open? I spent mine yeah. too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Anything cool? Anything you should you should nah, share? I just blew it on stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah. No. I yeah. I, I gambled. I took credit uh, at a casino, and, uh, and it's all gone. Oh, okay. Can't can't possibly go wrong, um, gentlemen. Here it is: the U.S. Open uh, at a. A historic icon. I don't know what we're going to call it. I love Tory Pines. I love everything about it. It is, uh, I guess it's not as rare recently, but it is also a course that we've seen host a regular event this year. So we can talk about that. But really, Greg, I think the, the star of the show at a lot of major championships ends up being the course. The last time we saw Tory Pines, 2008, we know how that turned out. We got one for the ages. Tiger over Rocket, Rocco Mediate on a Monday. He holds the putt and regulate. I mean, just like it, it, it's almost, I almost don't want to go back to Torrey Pines because it's very unlikely that we get a finish as good as we did uh, 11, 13 years ago. I, I don't know. Well, there's one storyline lingering out there that could possibly create a better finish. I, I, I really think there's only one. Can I guess? Yeah. It's got to be Phil winning it, right? Right, right. Okay. I mean, the tig- <laughs> the 2008 Tiger Woods victory at Torrey Pines was, um, I have it ahead of Phil's PGA win this year. Um, I have it ahead of a lot of a lot of majors. It's it is definitely a top five major for me with Tiger's injury and Rocco wearing red on Monday. The fact that they had an 18 hole playoff on Monday. I Ugh. think it actually went to 19. Didn't it, it did go, go to 19. 19. Yeah, yeah, 19 holes on Monday. Tiger can barely walk um, and he makes the putt. I, I just you, you never forget wh- what was happening on 18 in regulation on Sunday. Like he he's hit, he hits it into the bunker. He's slamming his club he then he hits his layup into the rough and you're thinking oh how, he's not gonna i can't believe he's not gonna make birdie he's taken us this far on this journey and he's gonna let us down no he's not gonna let <laughs> of us <course> down <laughs> he gets it to spin out of the rough I, like you hear him say to his caddy stevie williams i i got no chance with this such a small window and next thing you know the ball's backing up on the green uh, like it, it was 
and then the plot and the call and everything <sighs> was epic. So I, it's very likely that we're let down in comparison <laughs> to 2008. But I still think it's a, a very interesting U.S. Open venue. I've uh, it, it is a municipal course. You can go to La Jolla. You can play it. I have plenty of time. See it. And I think they make a habit out of putting that front right-ish, that, that tiger pin location on 18 more often than they should because they know when everybody gets there, they want to hit the putt. And if, if it's not in that pin location, uh, usually one of the caddies or whatever will throw down a, a, a T in that spot and say, here, have at it. Because everybody wants to hit that putt that Tiger rolled in on Sunday. There's no question about it. I mean, it was <laughs> it was epic. And it's, it's funny you mentioned putting just because I, I know that's going to take center stage at this particular tournament as well. <sighs> Poana Greens. Let's talk about it. Torrey Pines, the South Course. So, so the differences, Greg, the differences between what we saw at the end of January and what we will see this year for the uninitiated. One course. We are not rotating between the North Course and the South Course like we do at the Farmers Insurance Open. Also, number six used to be a par five. Now it is a very long par four, and it is playing to a par 71. And of course, that rough uh, will be the storyline, Greg. It will be, it'll be, oh, we've already got the, the dropped ball in the fairways video or in the rough on, on Twitter. Guys trying to extract themselves from these lies. That's going to be a major part of this storyline. Yes. Um, and look, rough has a, a funny way in the game now. It's something that we always talk about leading into the event. It's not always a real part of the story. Um, I, I would say at the last U.S. Open at Wingfoot, rough was uh, partially a part of the story. But ultimately, it was the fact that Bryson and Matthew Wolf and some of the players could actually hit it on the green out of the rough. That it, it made it not a penalty. It changed who the advantage was for. Um, so, But different kinds of roughs produce different kinds of results. The other one I think of is Aaron Hills. Um, in 2017, there were tons of videos. Like Everybody leading into that event was raving about the rough. And it wasn't really a part of the story. It, it, yeah. it had very little to, to do with it because the fairways were, were really wide. I have a feeling it's actually going to make a difference this week. I, I With the length of the course... Uh, the the weight of the air. It's kind of heavy air out there. The ball doesn't go quite as far. And it's at sea level and the, the marine yeah. layer rolls in and it's just everything's against you. Yeah. And and so that makes it play a lot longer and it, it can have a way of taking some of the um the fire out of your ball in a way. So and it also that grass is so thick um oh. and it, it it's kind of gnarly. It's tangly. It's different than um than bent grass where when you're playing in bent grass like you had at winged foot, sometimes just strength can get it out. You also tend to get better lot. Like, like it doesn't get right to the bottom. Like it may in Bermuda, it, it, it can sit up a little bit and you can, you can have a chance. So I'm, that, that's one thing I'm really watching. How does the rough really play? Not just what does the video look like, but when guys actually hit it in there on Thursday morning, are they able to reach the greens or not? Um, and I, I have a feeling they're not really going to be able to. The Kakuya grass rough, it it eats up your club, it eats up your ball. You can't you can't really bounce it onto these greens. You gotta just kind of fly it on there. Hope you can hold it. The greens see a usually playing uh pretty spicy. And of course, at a US Open, you could expect nothing less. But how much are you taking into account form at 
past U.S. Opens, which we know are obviously a, a rotating set of courses, but are generally try to be set up somewhat similar. And using history, we have great history for the Farmers Insurance Open. How are you taking those factors and looking forward to this week and, and using them to help make decisions? Yeah, I, I'm not waiting either of those things more than I, I am, let's say, recent form. But I will say I'm less inclined to pay attention to the farmers just because I think the course conditions are going to be different enough for me not to put a lot of weight on it. As far as past U.S. Opens, I mean, I suppose I'll put a little bit of weight on that because it it is going to be at least similar in terms of the setup. But again, neither of those are going to be super important to me in terms of like when I factor in everything, history at U.S. Opens and history at the farmers will be factored in. But to such a small amount relative to the metrics, I, I always like to look at the top of the betting board, gentlemen, one name stands alone. It is John Rom. Uh, Greg, we know, as he tweeted out with a great Rombo gif, he has told the world he is out of COVID protocols. He is, I'm sure at this point, at Torrey Pines, ready to rock and roll, because that was a day or two ago. Uh, and we know the last time we saw him, he was up six shots on a Saturday evening at Muirfield Village, and Torrey Pines has been nothing but a happy hunting ground for him. Yes. Um, he, at this point now, knowing that he's out of protocol, you know that he's now hitting golf balls. The questions about John Rahm are, are now gone. Um, what The events that took place at the memorial, I, I would say, inspires him even more. Um, so, look, he checks every single box. His worst finish is a tied 29th in 2018. <laughs> that was after winning. And his next three are a tied fifth, a second and a tied seventh. So he's really, he, he really understands the golf course. It fits him really well. Um, I think there's a, a variety of reasons why that's the case, but the thing that is really scary is he seems to have a putter that works now. Um, and, and that was holding him back oh, throughout the year. Mama. So now there's only one other question. The one thing that holds me back from John Rahm is it's too good to be true. And sometimes it, it, that sounds like such a nonsense thing to say, but it it's too good to be true. Sometimes that the the pressure that we the the lockness that we feel on a player, if that's a word, is the same thing that that the player feels, and it can add a little bit of pressure. So I I don't know if if John Rahm is fueled and he's hungry and he's angry and he has a little bit of fire more so than. Uh, uh, if, if that's his emotion and he feels like he's owed something and he's hungry, it could be really good. But it it does add a lot of pressure when you feel like you should win an event. William Hill has him at the favor as the favorite eleven to one. He's the most expensive player on DraftKings. He's eleven thousand two hundred dollars. See, let's jump down one to Dustin Johnson, who fourteen to one at William Hill. I would describe his Palmetto Championship, which is still going on, as a roller coaster. He's looked he looked pretty awesome for the first two days. He looks pretty weak for the weekend, and here he is with a handful of holes to play right in the thick of it. Are you more encouraged for the U.S. Open after seeing what Dustin Johnson has done this week. Yeah, I'm much more encouraged, especially after a bounce back today. I mean, he's he's really playing well. He's he's within one shot of the lead, whereas, you know, about an hour ago, he wasn't really even being considered in terms of a guy who can take down this thing, at least not by me. So, yeah, I like DJ. In fact, I think I like DJ more than than John Rahm coming into next week. So I know that's not a huge statement, but if I had to pick between the two from an outright or DFS standpoint, 
I mean, DJ certainly checks all the boxes. So I, I, I like DJ quite a bit. I don't like the number. I'm not going to bet that number because it's obviously too low, but I like DJ. Let's expand this player pool a little bit because the next handful of guys, Greg, William Hill just says, we don't know what to do. Have at it. They're all the same to us. And basically you have six, seven, maybe eight golfers between 16 to one and 20, 22, somewhere in there. And it's all the biggest names in the world. It's Justin Thomas. It's Rory McIlroy, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth, Xander Shoffley. I mean, take your pick. Find, find me a guy in here you're most interested in as we are. We're almost, we're not, we're not technically in us open week yet, but as we get there, Greg here in the next hour or so, who has your attention for Tory Ponds? Um, I would say Xander Shoffley. You were talking a little bit earlier about past U.S. Open performances. Um, oh, yeah, compare, look, look right? up Xander's. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. So this is the thing. If you have gr- a great U.S. Open resume and it's consistent, it it tells me that you have the mindset to handle a U.S. Open. Obviously, the skill set to handle a U.S. Open. If it's inconsistent, that might mean it. You know, the course fit is a plays a bigger role. But in the case of Xander. Shoffley, he's done it at um, at Aaron Hills. He's contended at Shinnecock Hills. He's contended uh, at Winged Foot. He's contended at, at a variety of different style courses in U.S. Opens. And so my mind goes right to mindset. And I think Xander has a great mindset um, and a great game makeup for uh, U.S. Open. And then you go to Torrey Pines. It's a home game for him. Could add a lot of pressure. He missed his first three cuts. He missed four, he missed you four know, of his first five. Four of his first five cuts. But yeah. this year, he comes in tied second. There so maybe something has turned. Maybe he's figured out how to get over the home uh, the home game pressure. Um, a little bit more comfortable with the golf course, which is hard to say because he's he is comfortable. You know, he's comfortable with it. He knows the place. It's just I think he said he he's played execute. it a hundred times or something like right. that. He said he's played it a ton. Yeah. Yeah. So, what does that mean? Is this going to be a place that does he like it? I, I that's kind of where I think we're going to find out. But he's the guy because of his um, where he's from, his game makeup, and his U.S. Open consistency that really has my interest. <laughs> All right, see, we start to get a little bit deeper here. Will Zalatoris at William Hill is the first of the golfers in the 30s, and he's the only golfer there. He's 35 to 1. Then you drop to the 40s, and there's a bunch of names there. It's Webb Simpson, it's Terrell Hatton, Shane Lowry, Louis Ustays, and Justin Rose, Daniel Berger, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, obviously, a lot to digest there. Is any one of them catching your attention this early? You know, I really like Scotty Scheffler this week, and I was a little confused by his number uh, at William Hill. I believe it's 40 to 1, correct, Rick? And and I thought that number would be a little bit longer on Scotty Scheffler, maybe in the 45 or 50 to 1 range. But I do like Scotty Scheffler both in DFS and in the outright market. Another guy I might like, at least in that range, is probably Louie. I think Louie's been playing really well, and I think he'll play well on this course, in spite of the fact that, obviously, he's not super long. Here's what we're going to do. Let's let's get some good clippable content that will make us look silly in a few days. Let's each oh, pick. Boy. You got to pick somebody to win from the top and then somebody to win like 50 to one or longer. All right. So think about that for a second. While okay. you're thinking about that, uh, I will give you, I'll give you mine. So let, I'm actually going to start, I'm going to start down low. I'm going with Adam Scott, 66 to one. Uh, coming off a T16 at Mirfield Village. His best results recently have been on the harder courses. I like to use Riviera as a pretty decent 
comp because uh, it's a West Coast hard course with Poana Greens. That was his last victory. So I'll go with Adam Scott at 66 to 1. And then at the top, this I find uh, much more difficult. I'm going to go with, and this certainly cannot burn me on the Sunday before the week even starts. Oh, God. You know how bad I want to pick Tony Fee now? <laughs> I'll take Good Tony luck. Fee now. He has, he has been phenomenal at Torrey Pines. He's been good enough at U.S. Opens. I'll, I'll take Tony Finau. You think, Rick, you, you think that Tony Finau coming down the stretch on Sunday of a U.S. Yeah. Open is going to hold it together? You think this is the time he holds it together? We're, I mean, there's we're some well, we're overdue. What he we're, does, right? <laughs> I hope he's like in the lead by one and just keeps it in great shots. Uh, the it, it, we're well overdue for if uh, you know what I mean. Like it's it, at this point, it is a statistical anomaly that he has not won golf tournaments with how much he has put himself in contention. So I, I'm not even sure a lot of these non victories are even his fault. Uh, there have been plenty of times he has shot a 68, a 67, and not won the golf tournament. And we've seen other guys. I forget who it was most recently. But I, I think I tweeted out, I feel bad for Tony Finau because the guy shot 73 and won a golf tournament. I forget who it was a couple of a couple of months ago. You know, it's was just it Max Homa. I, I don't know. No, no, because Tony should have stole that one, should have won that one. It just, you know, listen, golf's golf's weird. And when Hadley, when Chesson Hadley snaps this Puerto Rico open open curse for real in a few minutes, uh, Tony Finau's <laughs> gonna have have it available for him. Interesting. Uh Rick, there. Rick, I'll I'll go next. Um, and by the way, I, I, you know, speaking of Tony Finau, just real quick, his number is still like kind of low. What is he? 28 to one. I mean, for a guy who's never won outside of the Puerto Rico open, I mean, Rick, no offense, but I feel like guys like you are driving the number down because he should be like 35 to one at this, but the guy doesn't win. I don't, I don't like. I don't, I don't. I know, but you're an influencer, my friend. And you're like, Take ownership of that. So anyway, listen, I, I uh, on the short end, I'll give you Victor Hovland, uh, 25 to one. I think it's a good number for Victor Hovland. I think the form is good. His U.S. Open history is, is pretty good considering he's only had a couple cracks at it. The long shot I like is 70 to one. And that that guy just won. His name is Jason Kokrak. And I he suits quite well for this course. And uh, I, I'm going to definitely be playing him in both DFS and in the betting market. There you go. I, I really, uh, I, I like the Kokrak play. He's having a great year. So I, my long shot is uh, at 66 to one and he's playing right now. Um, and it's Harris oh, English. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think his game is so good. He had a bunker shot today. That was just so good. His short game is awesome. And he, he, performed really well last year at the U S open and basically a, a, bizarre lost ball at number one um, mm-hmm. put him in real harm's way but the thing i like about harris is he's healthy right now and it's kind of surfacing now that after century tournament of champions kind of in that master's time frame when we were all saying what's wrong with harris england there really was something wrong his back was her bothering him um and now it, if that's healthy that's back it seems like it is he seems to be really free in his motion um i, I think he has the game and the mentality to contend in a u.s open so i really like him as a long shot right now as i get up near the top of the board i mean i i have this funny feeling that brooksy's gonna come out and and perform really well um there's a lot of reasons to say no it's kind of i kind of feel like how long can this last where he he misses a cut and then nearly wins or wins a a major how long can that go I i don't know but i gotta go i think i just said it's john rom gotta be john rom 
He's just playing so well and has been all year. And the only difference between the Memorial, what we saw in those 54 holes, and what we saw earlier in the year is he didn't make any putts. He didn't make any putts this year. It was, it was, maybe it has been his best ball striking year of his career. And he's been a great ball striker his whole career. His iron play is better this year. Um, and, and the short game and putting have let him down, which had prevented him from winning. But I, I think he's got those things figured out and I don't think they're problems. And so I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to do the expected. When do the tea times come out? Usually Tuesday. Still, we know. We know everybody's in the field. Let's go get get them out already. You know. You going? Are you going to the Brooks Bryson thing? At this okay. Point? So here's the question: Will they pair Brooks and Bryson? This is this is the only opportunity to do it. Any other event will look forced, but for the U.S. for the U.S. Open, you could easily say, "Sia, here are your last three champions: Brooks, Woodland, Bryson." Every, a lot of tournaments do that. Easy excuse here. Can you do, do we, that to can you do that to Gary Woodland? Who <laughs> cares? This is every every single one of these pairings is handmade. Like uh, who cares? Play golf. I Man. think they're gonna do it. I think they're gonna do it. By the way, Gary Woodland's 80 to 1. I like him too. I'm just throwing that out there. Greg, do will we see it? Will we see these guys paired together on, on Thursday and Friday? I say no. I also say no. As much as I hate it, I think I think Look, golf is generally I, I, a wet blanket. They, they, <laughs> I I don't know if I'd go there, but you got to consider a couple of things with with the things that have been going on with fans of late. Um, not just Bryson and Brooks, but what happened at the PGA Championship, um, the lack of control of fans. You also look back at the U.S. the the history of U.S. Opens, and they they've got a good thing going right now. The last two U.S. Opens have been very well received. There has been very limited drama, and things have been good for the USGA. And this is an organization that took a ton of heat basically um, since 2015. And I don't think they're going to go and make a controversy like this, pair those two together, have an incident with fans, and have a disaster on their hands. I, I think they really need to be careful here. And um, and as they're building their brand to be one that's looked at in a positive light again, and they're doing a nice job of it, I, I don't think they can take on that risk. That's probably true. Oh, this is this is just my my. It's just the last chance you get. Otherwise, it's just gonna have to happen on a weekend by by just the 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 chance of it. Because any other time you forced it, this would be your last opportunity to do it. And if we miss it, we don't get it until until it happens on a Sunday in the final. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, maybe maybe that's the storyline we're looking for. Maybe it's not, oh, Bill. Maybe it's another if, playoff, but with Brooks and Bryson. What if the – okay, let me figure this out here. Um, I don't want this to happen, but let's say weather rolls into La Jolla. Things are looking iffy on Sunday. They say, you know what, we got to play – we gotta play. We gotta play three three balls on Sunday, and let's see who's the top of the leaderboard: Brooksy, Bryson, Phil. In in a final group on Sunday at Tory, I would my head would explode. My head, you, <laughs> we, my head would literally explode. I could would not be here for the post round uh, recap. That'd be amazing. I, I think Twitter would shut down. Yeah, it would definitely break. Ugh, golf golf Twitter would be just Couldn't over handle. for the yeah overrun. <sighs> All right, well, we've got a Palmetto Championship recap Sunday evening. Us three back on Monday to do the DFS 
breakdown for the U.S. Open. Tuesday's your Megapod, maybe some special stuff in between. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, that's Sia Najad. You can find him on Twitter at Sia Najad. Greg Ducharme, you can find at the real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.